So as we look uh, to the second part of our message that is called, What Kind of Believer Are You? This will be part two, a continuation from last week. What kind of believer are you? And just in review real quickly, we'll start off in a review of, uh, from last week. A couple things that we touched on that was real significant in there that for us to remember and to, uh, in order to draw back and, and, and move forth here into part two. What kind of believer are you? The question that came with that is you remember is are you a believer that has a plan and want God to bless it? Everybody remember that? Okay. And then the other, or, which is the other part of the question, are you a believer that knows and understands that God has a plan and a purpose even for your life that's already blessed in there? And we talked about, man, uh, well, if we, if we listen, if we don't listen carefully to that, then we can easily interpret that as being the same thing. Amen? Well, as we looked in, into this, we realized that there was certainly a difference in being a believer that has a plan in, in, in praying and asking God to bless it. As opposed to being a believer that knows and understands that God has a plan. And see, his plan goes way beyond uh, us as individuals. Matter of fact, his plan goes way beyond even your years. Because they go all the way back to the beginning. Amen. They go back to Genesis when Adam and, uh, had failed. When Adam ate of the forbidden uh, tree. And, and, and sin came into the world and separated man from uh, God. See, the, the, God's plan goes all the way back to there. God had orchestrated a plan to, to bring forth a redeemer as that we know as Jesus Christ. And this was over 6,000, more, much more than 6,000 years ago. And here we are today. And God's plan has not changed. He, uh, part of his plan has been fulfilled the major part of his plan, which gives us life, and we know what that is, right? Amen? That we know that, that, that the major part of his plan was that Jesus has come, that he died and, 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 he res and, and God raised him from the dead, amen? That gives us the opportunity for one thing and one thing only, and this is what this is really all about, is that mankind can be redeemed. It's about the reconciliation of mankind back to God. And in order for us to really for that to weigh heavy in our hearts or for us to even be able to uh, really know the significance of it is that we have to really begin to take a look at the plan of God and being able to see it from his perspective and that's really what this is all about is us changing our mindset to be able to see the plan of God from his perspective that started long, long before any of us ever was thought of or ever existed. Uh, one of the things that we talked about uh, in setting this up was the fact that uh, there's uh, indicators in terms of us uh, knowing what kind of believer we are. We can ask our, there's indicators. And one of the indicators that we talked about on last week was that in your prayer time, everybody remember this for those of you guys that was here, in your prayer time, what do you uh, spend most of your, is your, your prayer time sound like? What do you spend most of your time doing? Does it sound like uh, this? For an example, God, this is what I need. God, this is what I want. God, you know, I, you know, I need help here, and God, you know, I need help there. You know, uh, you, you, I won't go into no specifics. I'll just leave it pretty vague. You can do the interpretation. Or is your prayer times spent seeking 
to know what God wants from you? Is your prayer time spent seeking to know what God wants to do through you? See, these are indicators. And you don't have to share it with your neighbor, but you can think within your own heart and your own mind. In your prayer time, what is it like? We talked about the fact that prayer is a communication to God in there. And everybody agreed to that. Would you still agree this week that prayer is communication to God? Okay, and we, one of the things that we talked about then also was that in communication, communication is not a one-way street. Communication is not us uh, making our uh, requests be made known unto him and then jumping up off our knees or wherever we at and taking off like a jackrabbit. <laughs> communication would, uh, no, not one of us in a relationship with one another, whether it's brother, husband, wife, or friend, would want to have that type of communication. Meaning that you, I, I get to say everything I want to say to you, and then when it's time for you to even respond, I'm gone. What kind of relationship or what kind of communication and relationship would that be? No one would be happy with that. Well, uh, I got good news for you, friends, that uh, the communication that we have with God is no different. In the sense that God wants to speak to us. So in our communication, are we taking the time to hear from God? Or are we just saying what we want and then, uh, and then taking off like I said? Or are we taking the time to hear his voice uh, by way of meditation, by way of sitting still before him, by way of uh, prayer in the sense of uh, even studying his word? This is all prayer. But typically, especially in the modern day times, when we think of prayer, then what we think of, we think of us saying, saying a whole bunch of stuff to God. And, and more than that, asking him for a whole bunch of stuff in an effort for us to achieve what we want, better known as the American dream. Okay, y'all can get quiet on that, that's fine. No problem, no problem. Because the reality, I mean, we're going to speak to the truth and we're going to speak to reality because this is the only way that we're going to ever be able to make the changes that God is requiring in our lives. And here again, the, uh, the point of all of this is to be able to see things from God's perspective. For us to be the believer that is pleasing to him, the believer that he has set forth in this dispensation of time for his plan and for his purpose, it takes us being able to see God uh, sitting high from his perspective, not just God, a, a God that's, that's so far in heaven, you know, and so distant from us that, um, you know, the, the, that he is the God that uh, to here again to uh, help us achieve what we want and not realizing that God from the very beginning until he till Jesus come again. All of this is about his plan, my friends. You know, uh, and when you came into this relationship with God. Meaning that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If he left us here, which it seems like he left all of us here for the time being, if he left us here, it wasn't for uh, you to get what you want. It was for him to get what he wants through you. you know, some of us that's been around the church for a while have heard these things, you know, in the form of, uh, you know, being a vessel, you know, in there. A vessel that's fit for God or the master's use. You know, some of us didn't hear some of these things. You know, and in the modern day times, unfortunately, um, we live in a world where 
what is spoken mostly over the pulpit and the direction or the focus of it is what God is going to do for you, for me or what God is going to do for you. This, uh, and not much are we hearing what the truth is or what the truth of the word of God is, is that God has a plan and he is what he wants to do to you as a trusted believer and as a trusted vessel. And I'm sorry if I'm uh, if this is not the news that somebody came to hear today, but it's the truth. And this is where real freedom, the freedom that Jesus spoke of, that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And he went on to say a couple verses from that in John chapter eight that if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. See, the world binds us. And this is the opposite of what Jesus is talking about. We've been bound by, uh, you know, the things of the world. And it's just funny because now I just want you to take a minute uh, in this review because when you begin to think about it, just think about it even for yourself. Not being a Bible scholar or somebody that has studied the word of God from the Genesis to Revelation and know everything about God. But just even for yourself, you know, don't you recall? Uh, that, that even in the little time that you may have studied how the Bible uh, continued to talk and when we look at the life of Christ Jesus as our example don't you, know, don't you remember that it talks about uh, you know, not setting your affections on things on the earth but setting them on things for, the, the, for eternity you know, and then just think about it from your own natural mind you know, uh, are, we, are you as a believer Yo, yeah, it's maybe a certain amount of stuff that you want to accomplish, you know, in the here and now, but what is the real life that you're looking for? Is it the here and now or is it eternity that's going to last forever? Is it the here and now that you may live to be 80, 90, uh, 100 years old if, if you're uh, blessed? Or is it eternity that lasts forever? So what are you really looking for? What are you really living for is the question that goes with that. What kind of believer are you? What kind of believer are you? So as we move forth in part two, you can turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What kind of believer are you? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And just as you turn there, we did talk on last week about the main goal of this message and the first one just to bring back to your memories the first one was that we begin to be able to see life in, in this from God's perspective and then number two was by being able to see things from God's perspective that it would cause our minds to be renewed and the most important part about this renewal of the mind, it would help us to realize that our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. Somebody got that highlighted in the Bible already. So glory be to God. We know that we're speaking the truth now for sure. And then number three was uh, by, uh, by having our minds renewed that this would put us in a place to be able to hear the voice of God. Amen? Amen. And we use Jesus as an example. We'll talk more about that here on today. That if Jesus, when he was here, and as he walked through his ministry, 
that uh, he knew that he had to hear the voice of God and that he depended only on what God had told him and what he heard from God, then how do we think that we can live this life any different? If it, Jesus, being God himself, had to do that, then how do we, you know, how could you even begin to imagine, you know, that we could do it any other way? And then the fourth thing uh, in that, the fourth and final thing, was that uh, we then, after being able to hear the voice of God, that we could be led by the Spirit of God. And that brings us to what is, is so, so important. Everybody got them, them four things. This is the goal. And the goal boils down to that we here in real time now can be able to hear the voice of God and be led by His Spirit. Who knows what God wants to accomplish today? November the 24th, 2013. Who knows what God wants to accomplish today? If you know, can you raise your hand? Okay. All right, that's a trick question. I know some of y'all scared to raise your hand or whatever. The, the, uh, maybe let me rephrase that. Who knows better what God wants to accomplish than God himself? Okay. So it, it, God himself knows better than we can even ever imagine. Uh, period. You know, I don't care how good we are. You know, God himself knows what he wants to accomplish. And if we, because we're talking to believers now, so if we are believers, you know, and believers being followers of Christ Jesus with a purpose. Okay, if we are believers and we are followers of Christ Jesus, then our goal and our plan is to do the will of God, right? That's what Jesus said. He said he only came here for one reason and one reason only, and that was to do the will of the Father which was in heaven. And us as followers, then uh, our goal and our aim should be the same. So in order for us to do that, and God knows above all things, and more than any of us what he wants to accomplish, then what is it going to take for us to be able to line up with that? More than just hearing the voice of God and then being led by his spirit. The voice of God meaning the spirit of the living God. That's how he speaks to us uh, in, in our modern day times. So having said that, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, last week uh, we started in verse 15 and then we went from 17 and our goal is to go through, 20, through verse 21. And just as a reminder, reminder in verse 15, the main thing that we got out of that since he, which is Christ Jesus, died for all, those of us that uh, remain and live should live no longer for ourselves, but for, for who? For him. Okay? And I'll read it plainly. It says, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So our, the aim and our goal as believers is that we should no longer live for ourselves. And then in verse 17, we discovered something that was really significant. What we discovered in verse 17 was the fact that, that Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, that we are born again and that we are a new creation. Amen. That we are a new creation. That we are a new creation. And the uh, old things have passed away. All things are new. And this is what God did. In Christ Jesus. This is what God did. 
We talked about this, so everybody remember this, right? Because it's significant that we, as we go move, move forth, that you remember what, what, what we left or what we talked about before. And the, the, the thing about it is that God himself, okay, as believers and us receiving that free gift, it was God himself that uh, made us the new creation. Just like he created, he, he made the, the first creation, he made us a new creation by the blood of Christ Jesus. So the most important thing for us to remember is that ain't something that you did. Okay? If we can remember that, we'll be saved. This is something that he did. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it, it, he says it real clearly. That you have been saved by, uh, by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. He talks about the fact that it's not by uh, our works. Because if it was by our works, then some of us, you know, obviously we would boast, you know. And it's easy for us to do that in this flesh. So the gift of uh, salvation is a free gift that came from God and is what he did in there. If you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then he is the one that saved you. So it's significant as we move forth to know that he, he, he and he alone did this. And I'm not telling you something that you don't already know, but I'm telling you something that we ought to remember. Bring back to our memories because sometimes in this walk, then we could easily be uh, tossed to and fro, or if we're not focused on it, then we could think somehow that we've done something. Okay, this is what he's done, and it's significant to know that in this new creation that he did this, that he made us a new creation, and therefore, when he says that old things have passed away, is what he did. Okay, he did this. So our past, the old things, he the one wiped them away as far as the east is from the west. Okay? So you can't bring it back. Okay? <laughs> so, hey, this is, uh, we ain't gonna go no further until we get this. Because this is a problem for a lot of us, even though we're trying to live the Christian life and we want to walk with him, that we allow our past to haunt us. When Jesus said it's passed away. And when he says it is passed away, what does that mean? Okay, exactly. Yes. If I tell, if I called you on the phone and said, "Hey, my brother, uh, so and yo, uh, you know our buddy that grew up with us uh, from way back in sixth grade, his name is such and such and such and such," and he passed away. What would that mean to you? You would know that he's what he's dead. Okay, in there, and just like that, he is speaking to us today, and he's saying, "This is what I've done in, in me making you a new creation. Your old past, the old things have passed away." I have reckoned them dead. Yes. So if he made them dead, then how can we bring them back to life? Well, how can we allow these things to, to bother us in our spirit and, and to, to work on our even on our flesh? Then we uh you know somehow think that um more than dead as the, the sixth grade buddy of ours that we know about, when we say he he passed away, then we know he's dead and he ain't coming back and we ain't even knowing that. But somehow when it comes to our old nature, the old man, that somehow we, we correlate passed away as, as though we just hid it in the closet for a little while. Okay? I'll give you a, an example because I done heard this before. Oh, I ain't going to tell you where I heard it. <laughs> you probably figured it out real quick. You know, there was a time in my life as a believer, you know, when, uh, you, you know, and this was some time ago. That my thoughts was the old man that passed away was hid in the closet. Because when somebody crossed me 
or did something I didn't like, I went to the closet and pulled him out and said, you know what, as a matter of fact, at the same time, I put Jesus on the shelf and picked up the old man and said, I'm going to go handle this. Does that sound familiar? That's a lie and a trick from the enemy, guys. The word of God is clear. But see, here's the difference. The difference is, is from my perspective, all that was passed away was in the closet. But from his perspective, which is true, is dead. As far as the east is from the west. So you can see clearly where we're going with this is that it takes us to read uh, our mindset to change. And for us to be able to see things from his perspective, it changes everything about life. Do everybody understand what we just said? Because it's real. I know it was real for me. And I just have to venture to re uh, realize that it's real for some, for some of you. In the sense that, you know, when I looked at it from my perspective, you know, yes, I was a believer, but when certain things happened, I was ready to handle it myself. Okay? When, when that bully was picking on my son, and he was four years old, and somebody was eight years old, I was ready, I went to handle that myself. Was I a believer? Yeah. But I was going to handle that. You know, I'm going to get away with that. But that was from my perspective. But when I change and be able to understand that what God is talking about, our old man, is dead, my friend. It's from his perspective. So in order for this truth to be a reality for each and every one of us, then it takes us moving from our mindset and being able to see it from his perspective. Amen. This is why all of what we're talking about today is going to be so important. And the only way that we can begin to get this is that we, uh, that it become well within our soul. That God, that, that this life is about God. This life is about him and what he's trying to do. And that we are pilgrims just passing through and that we are, as, as, as the word says, that our time here is as a vapor. And what he was talking about as a vapor, that we hear and we have the opportunity to be used by him for a short period of time. What are you going to do with your opportunity? What are you going to do with your opportunity? So this is the mindset that we have to have. We've got to be able to see this picture from God's perspective. We've got to be able to know that God, even from over 6,000 and some odd years ago that he was making a plan through Abraham, through Moses, through David, and through the children of Israel to bring forth the Messiah, Christ Jesus. That this was his plan. And that was that dispensation of time. And now Jesus have came. His blood has been shed. God has raised him from the dead. And now we live under grace. And that we have the opportunity to be reconciled back to God as all of us is. But then we are instruments of reconciliation and that's the point that we're going to make. This is all for a foundation for you to be able to understand that what is God's plan for my life? What is God's plan for, uh, for me in this dispensation of time? Is it about me achieving the American dream or is it about me doing the work that he's called me to? And that's a big dilemma, because if I'm looking at it from my perspective, then it's about me achieving the American dream. And I know that God promised this, he promised that, and I can go through the Bible and I can cherry pick all kinds of places that, that he has made promises. With no uh, foundation in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, content or anything. But I can cherry pick different things. 
But at the same time, am I understanding, am I really seeing what this is all about from God's perspective? So, the new creation that he's made us is he did it. We did receive him by faith, thank God. And it is a free gift that comes from him. And in and that moves us to verse 18. And this is where we actually begin part two. Verse 18. Remember that he, in verse 17, made us a new creation, right? Yes. And so now that he has done that, guess what? Now all things are of God. And we're going to just stop right there. Now, now he done made you a new creation, Gabby. He did that. This is he, he, your old past. He done wiped it away. And he done made everything new for you. Now, all things are God. I mean, now, this might be good news. This may be tough news for somebody. But uh, guess what? Now you don't own yourself. Now he owns you. You have been bought with a, at a price, is what the Bible says. By the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Now all things are of him. So that right there, we just if we don't go no further, then you can understand this. And I, somebody, I don't know if you've ever, nobody ever told you this, but as a believer of Christ Jesus, it ain't something that we can buy. It's a, it was a free gift. But the price was so high that even if it could be bought, you couldn't pay for it. The price is so high. So having said that, now all things are of God. God has bought us through the blood of Christ Jesus. And that blood is what satisfies the righteous demands of God himself. From the separation from Adam and the disobedience, the thing that brings us back into a place where we can be reconciled back to God, where we have eternal life, is the blood of Christ Jesus. And once we receive that free gift, now all things are of God. Now we belong to him. And so this short period of time that we have left on this earth, it is to be used for the glory of God. It is for, uh, let me say that again. It is to be used for the glory of God. And I don't know where every one of us is. I know where I used to be. And I don't know where you are in your life today. But what I do know is as a believer that we have to begin to receive the truth and the whole truth. Your life is not your own. If you have received the blood of Christ Jesus that will take you into eternity where you're going to live in the presence of God for, for, for all eternity then you are his to do and to will and to have his way right now. This is what we were talking about last week in the question, are you, what kind of believer are you? Are you one that lives for himself or one that denies himself in order to follow Christ? Because that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him what? Deny himself. Pick up his cross. And then you can see fit to be able to follow me. Guys, this life that we live in is short, 
And it can be bitter or sweet. The sweetness is for us to relinquish our will to the Almighty God as a believer. We say that we believe in Him, so is it what is it that we what what is this really about? I'm gonna be real shrewd and rude. Because some of us as believers, we want the eternal life, right? All of us as believers, we want eternal life. Amen? Come on, raise your hand if you want eternal life. If you really want eternal life, glory be to God. And I acknowledge for the tape that everybody in here raised a hand. But here's the thing. What type of believer are we? Are we one that we want eternity, but then in the natural, for this short period of time, we are not willing to relinquish ourselves to the will of God in order to, you know, to move into a place that we know that we're going to be in his presence forever, but for right now, that his will may be done. See, because this is what Jesus said when uh, he told him, pray like this. What does it say when he said, pray like this? Somebody tell me, what did he, what did he say to his disciples when, he, when they was asking him, how should we pray? And he said, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. What? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we say the prayer, but do we know what we even praying or what we even saying? It's talking about the will of God being done through, through me and through you for this period of time that he's left us here. Because see, uh, for me, the, king, the kingdom can't come through me when I ain't here no more. So it must be talking about the time that I'm here. So each one of us as believers, when we pray that kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then it's, it's, we have to give our lives and, and recognize that all things are God right now. All things are God right now. So we are instruments, vessels that he, he wants to use right now. Jesus realized that, here again, we can use him as an example. Jesus realized that way early in his ministry when he was about 12 years old, I believe the Bible talks about. I'm speaking of a time that he went to, they, the family went to a feast in Jerusalem. In there. And, and uh, after the feast was over, the feast, uh, they all, you know, traveled in, in, in uh, caravans, if I can say it like that, a bunch of them. And they was a day's away because their journey and traveling, obviously, not to go off track or anything. We already know how they traveled. It wasn't in, in the limousines, BMWs, and Cadillacs. Okay? Their mode of, of transportation then was, was mostly by foot and wagon and all of these different things. And it took time. You know, for them, and they, obviously we know the story, it was like a three days journey. And when they had, the feast was over nevertheless, they leave the feast and they get about a day's journey away. And uh, his mother, Mary, realizes where's Jesus at? Because you're talking probably about uh, thousands of people in the caravan. And so, it, 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 you know, it could have been easily a day away before she realized that I ain't seen Jesus, you know, on this trip back. And so they turn back. Everybody know the story. They turn back and go to Jerusalem. But where did they find Jesus at? At 12 years old. The Bible says that he was in the, the, uh, the synagogue, in the temple. And what was he doing? He was in there uh, teaching and, and uh, kicking it with the, the scribes and the, felt, the, the Pharisees, the elders, the, the big wigs. That would be like in this, in this period of time, 
uh, him being in, uh, 12 years old being in the White House teaching me uh, President Obama. And, and, and the ones that you prayed about, his, uh, what do you call him? His, yeah, his, his congressman and, and, and his clan that, uh, you know, that advise his advisement board, those that advise him. That would be like Jesus at 12 years old in the White House teaching these guys. That's exactly what it is. And the thing about it is, it, it, so his mother approaches him and she's like, man, what are you doing? And what, did he, what was his response? His response was, don't you know? Mama, don't you know? I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. And I say that because, guys, as believers, we have to be able to recognize in moving forth in this message, the precedent has to be set. That you have to recognize that we have a short period of time left. And as believers, now that I know that my life here is not about me, it's about God doing his will through me, then I have to come to a place that we got to know that we got to be about our father's business. This is the mindset and the mentality that we have to take on in order for us to really move because and I'm going to tell you the reason why I'm saying that is because the life that we've lived so long before where I was chasing the things that I wanted and, and, and not only chasing the things that I wanted I, and I honestly believed in my heart because of what I was led to believe that hey God has a responsibility because I believe in him to give me these things come on now can I get a witness don't be afraid to tell the truth because, you know, I know that I wasn't the only one that uh, had heard about God like this. Yeah. Knowing that he is almighty, yeah. knowing that he is, has all things, and knowing that I'm his child. And then, hey, just like my son told me, hey, dad, I want that, uh, at, uh, what is that, PS2 or this, all of that. You know, and knowing that, hey, I was his dad in the natural, that, uh, you know, he was going to probably get it, and he did. You know, so, and I, I'm just saying, the fact of the matter is true that, you know, for a long time, yes, I knew that God wanted me to abstain from this and, you know, abstain from that, you know, in there. And as much as I felt like I did a good job of doing that, then it gave me uh, some kind of leverage to be able to go to God and say what I need and what I want. With the mindset that uh, he, knowing that he's able, that that's what he, his obligation was. This was the relationship. I'm just being real, guys. But the fact of the matter is, is I know different today. And this is what we're talking about. The, the difference is today is that that's not why I'm here. He, he, he made it clear in his word that I don't have to worry about where I should live or what I should eat or what I should wear. As his child, he, he, he got that. But what he does want me to be concerned about is to yield myself to him that his will can be done through my life right here and right now. That, his, that I must be about his business. So I'm hoping right now that the spirit is speaking to somebody's heart that we got to be about the father's business. And the only way to be about his father's business is for us to deny ourselves and, and, and open up the ears of our heart in our spirit to be able to hear his voice and know that one minute of every single day from one minute to the next of every single day that he is leading and guiding me to do what he wants me to do yes. he is the one that's leading and guiding me to do what he wants me to do so now plain and simple all things are of God who has reconciled us this is verse 18 again in uh 
chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. It says, now all things are God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus? Okay? Who has reconciled him, reconciled us to himself? This is what God has done. He, so he's telling us, we already know this, this is what we've been saying over and over again. Now all things are of God. He's made us a new creation. All things are of him. We are, you know, we are his. Because he's reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, through the blood. He's reminding us of the blood of Christ Jesus there. He's reminding us of the blood. And then it says, and, and this is the most important part, or this is the important part for us moving forward for the rest of our lives, for the days that we have left. Yes. It says, and, this is what he's done. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Terry, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So my friends, here's the thing. We wonder what is our purpose? Many of us have asked ourselves and asked God, what is it that you want me to do? Well, here it is. And it's funny because what he wants you to do, Alonzo, ain't no different than what he wants me to do. He's given us all as believers one ministry. And that is the ministry of reconciliation. Did you know that? It's one ministry. It's one God. It's one Lord. It's one Spirit. It's one Jesus Christ that's in all and through all. Is what Ephesians tells us in the Word of God. The ministry that he's given us, it ain't no different from me. Uh, you know, y'all didn't put a title on me called Pastor John. So that's nothing. The ministry that God has called me to is the same one he's called you to. And that ministry, let me just make it plain here again, is that ministry is that we yield ourselves one day at a time to the voice of God that is going to lead us. And he's going to tell us each and everything that he wants us to do that's fulfilling his plan. That's fulfilling his plan. I'll give you an example. We, talk, we may have said this even on last week. The example is, is this. This is how real this is. And guys, you've got to know this. God is really speaking to somebody's heart to know that he is concerned about every inch of your life. He's in every inch of your life. He's in every inch of your life. He is uh, speaking in every situation. Even to the point we use the example on what socks that I put on this morning. God is the one who told me that. And I know it. The difference is, that, you know, whatever you put on, whether it's socks, stockings, or whatever suit that you put on today, God is the one who told you to put it on. It's, but do you, did you know it? Do you recognize it? Have you acknowledged the fact that God is the one that did that? He's the one that did that. The difference is, you know, whether we recognize it or not, he's the, he's the author, he's the administrator of all of these things. The beautiful part about it is when, we, when that truth comes real to be reality inside of us. When we come to know that that's what's, what's happening, that God, you don't want to me to put on this suit, man. Yeah, you know? You don't want, just like you don't want to me, you know, when I left out of the driveway to go to the left instead of to the right. To recognize that God is instrumental and he's the one directing on all of these things. For most of us, this is something we thought that we was doing on our own. Good, here's the news, guys. No, it's not. It's, it's not. From the, what you wear to the, what corners you turn, which way you go to work. You ain't made them decisions. God is the one put that inside of you. He's the one that's directing that. Now, whether you want to acknowledge him 
in these situations is where the difference is. He's the one that told me at 3 o'clock this morning, knocking on the door of my heart and said, son, get up. You got to use the bathroom right now. I thought that was me. Until I realized through the revelation of God, and I'm telling you right now that if you woke up this morning and went to the bathroom, it wasn't you. Because if it was you, you would have laid there and you would have all over yourself. But it was him saying, my son, my daughter, hey, get up. You know, some of us have given them credit, given them credit, the fact that we woke up this morning. You know, but we didn't give them credit when we woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and had to go to the bathroom. You see? Come on. I'm telling you that uh, by the word of God that he is directing every path of our lives. We have to renew our mind. We have to be able to see it from his way. And when we do this, then you're going to understand that ain't nothing that uh, he's doing. That, that he, now, I ain't saying that everything that he tells us to do, that we do it. Or we listen to him. Because sometimes he told me to go to the right and I went to the left. And I realized that at some point, well, something was telling me to go this way. Oh, it ain't something. It was him. You know, in there, it's, it's what mindset do you have? Are you going to take on the mindset that Philippians talk about that Jesus had? That caused himself to humble himself even though he knew he was God and where he came from. To humble himself. To come in the form of, of, of flesh and man. To, to, to do what? It was all for a purpose of one thing and that was to do the will of the Father. To please him. Amen. So guys, understand this, that we have a spirit, I mean a ministry, and that ministry is one ministry, it's the ministry of reconciliation. So I don't know today if you knew that you are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Let's look at verse 19, because some of us might be saying, well, what is that? Well, that's what verse 19 said. Guess what? It says, uh, it says the same thing. What is that? That is. It responds to that question. That is, what is the ministry of reconciliation that God has given us? That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is. It's what God does. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And what is the, the ministry of reconciliation? The ministry of reconciliation is that God was in Christ Jesus hanging on that cross, forgiving, uh, paying the price for our sins. That's what he did. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is. Is that God was in Christ Jesus, hanging on that cross, paying for something that you couldn't pay for. So he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He didn't make us bite. He didn't make us hang on the tree. He didn't make us do it. He did it and he gave it to us. Glory be to God. Come on. He did it and he gave it to us. So here again, when you begin to see that, our obligation, if I can say it that way, in, you know, it's, it's real small and, and, you know, as a grain of, of sand in comparison to what has been done. He's done the work. And he's just given it to us. So let us finish that. And then, and then what? He said, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So he's given us the ministry and then he's putting, he, he, he did the work. He gave it to us. And then he's put the words 
in our mouth. And that's all we have to do is to hear his voice and speak the words. This is the good news. But I'm going to say that again. This is what he's done. So all we, have, all we have to do is to be able to see it from his perspective, hear his voice, and then speak the words. And then speak the words. And this is the, the uh, man, this part right here is just amazing because truly that is the ministry of reconciliation. So here again, all we have to do is hear his voice and speak the words. Speak the words. So when, in remembering that, man, God is in every inch of our lives. So you can be driving to work, you, or, you know, and, and, and I use this example all the time because there's a bus stop right outside in the front of our office, that, you know, and you can be driving to work and you're driving down the street. If we can hear the voice of God, it could be someone on, at the bus stop that's been up all night been smoking crack and doing all of these different things and, and, and they are falling as low as they can go and they are crying out and have been crying out half the night to the God, God just help me I, I, I see where I'm at, I'm at rock bottom I am through, I need your help and if you are real yes. just seeing somebody by to, to, to tell me that you're real or, or to do something for me to tell me about you and, and, I, and, my, and, I'm, and I'm over, it's done. I just need you to rescue me. In there. And hear us. All of us. We the vessels. We are the, 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 the vessels that's fit for his use. And, and so I wake up in the morning and, and oh, Pastor John. You know, just like I, I heard him when he told me to get up and went to the bathroom. But then when he, I'm on my way to work and he's knocking on the door of my heart because I'm distracted by all of this different stuff. He said, hey, I want, there's a guy on the bus stop. I want you to stop and just tell him that Jesus loves him. And that's going to do it because that's the sign he's looking for. Can you do that? I ain't even heard him. I ain't even heard him. I drove on past him. Okay. Here come Brother Alonzo. Here he comes, Alonzo. Hey, man, uh, I tried to get past John. He, 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 can, he can't hear me. Can, can you hear me? Could you just tell this person Jesus loved me? No, Boom. Lonzo gone. He, he, you know, he can't hear. He's he distracted. He, you know, hey, he got, man, uh, got all kinds of stuff going on. Here come uh, Minister Martha. Come on. Man, all of these vessels. Yes. And just over and over and over again, all of us just passing them by. But we, hey, but we, the Ministry of Reconciliation. Hey. We can come up and stand up in the pulpit. We can sing in the choir and all of this different stuff. But the, the real work of ministry is these people that God is trying, that's crying out to them. And they're looking for somebody to just tell them a word. But we can't hear the voice. How insane is that? So here again, if we see this from God's perspective, then we can see that God is just, he's up there, he's orchestrating. He's navigating traffic. To those that are crying out for me. Oh, there's somebody crying out for me. Okay, oh, and he's sending out a bunch of texts. Can you go over there? And we ain't getting the text. We ain't, get, we ain't hearing it. But we are his vessels fit for his use. You see that picture? Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. 
And, and the mass majority of all of this is because we as believers, we haven't understood that this is what life is really all about for the time that we have here. That it's about, it's about being about our father's business, not about our business. That our business should be about being about his business. You know, and many of us, we're struggling in our business. You know, I'm talking about the things that we want to do because we're looking for him to do something we ain't even, you know, when, if we just did what he wanted us to do, then all of this, he said it, he promised, I got that. It would be less of a stress and the biggest part of the less of the stress wouldn't even be what, uh, that we're making a million dollars today and we wasn't, that we weren't making yesterday. It would be that we would be content and it would be well in our soul because we would be doing the will of God in there. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to move forward quickly. But that is the ministry that God has given us. He's, and he's committed it to us. The word of reconciliation. That's what our lives is all about. This is what life is all about, my friend. This is what, this, I, I, I get excited about this because now I know what life is. When I was trying to live life and do all of these different things, even when I had the best of everything, I still wasn't happy. Yes. You know, something was still missing. Yes. Now, I feel, I understand the joy that you prayed about earlier today, babe. So the thing about it is, is if he left us here after we received this salvation, then understand this, guys, that we are his workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2. Turn your Bibles there real quickly. Keep uh, your hand marked at Corinthians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. And this comes after Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, and of course, they've already told us that, uh, that by, it's, for, it's by grace that we have been saved through faith and not uh, of ourselves. It was, it's a gift of God, and then uh, not of our works, lest any of us should boast. But then it says in, chapter, in verse 10 that we are his workmanship. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh my goodness. We are his workmanship. See, this goes hand in hand, guys, of what we're talking about. That now that you have been bought, now that you are his, then we are his workmanship. We are, this is the navigation. This is him orchestrating and moving in our lives to do his will. Ain't this beautiful? This is awesome because the, it takes all the pressure off of us to try to live up to something that we can't live up to anyway and that the blood of Jesus has already done to. He's already cleansed us by his blood. This is how God sees us. And so our focus is not on all of that. Our focus is on letting him mold us and make us in understanding that we are his workmanship. What does that really mean? I'm going to try to do this. The, the word workmanship here is, it, it derives from, in the Greek, it's a Greek word of 
Poema. Poema. It's the Greek word. The original Greek word for workmanship. And, and, and it's, uh, it's, a, it, it's, it's derived from a, a Greek word, a verb that means to make. His workmanship means to make. The word uh, signifies that that which is manufactured, a product, a design produced by the master builder. Want me to say that again? To make. We are God's workmanship. And what this means is that he is the master builder. It, 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 it signifies to manufacture, to produce, or to, uh, to design. God has designed you. He has produced you in this new creation because that's exactly what it's talking about. So in, in other words, God as the master designer of the universe, as he says in Romans chapter 1 verse 20, and the redeemer and the redeemed believer as his new creation, as it speaks of in Ephesians right here, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. They listen to this, his workmanship, the master designer of all things, the creator of all things, God himself has, you are his workmanship as a believer, the redeemed believer, you are his workmanship that he is navigating that he is trying to orchestrate to fit into one thing and one thing only and that is to do the will of God and see we got an advantage as a redeemed believer and the advantage is is because if you study this and, and I'll, we talked this in the Bible study in Romans chapter 1 verse 20 it talks about the fact that everything created from the beginning of time God has placed inside of everything uh, something that makes them know who he is. I'm just putting it in paraphrasing words, okay? That God has placed in each and every, I'm talking about non-believer, believer, the trees, the grass, the frogs, whatever it is, that in everything that was created, God has placed in them something that, that knows who he is. And in Romans chapter 1, uh, you know, as you go through there, it's talking about those that have, have, uh, have denied that. Even though they, they know it's true, they try to live falsely in an effort to deny what the truth is. And that's why I say we got an advantage as redeemed believers. We know the truth. And the truth is what's setting us free to be able to walk in this. This is significant in our lives to be able to move forward in our walks. For us to finish the race that God has set before us. That we can have the mindset or we can say the words that Paul has said that I have ran the race. I have finished the course. And to know that you have a crown that's laid up for you. With confidence. Glory be to God. How are you going to continue to live? Knowing this, that God, you are God's workmanship. We, you are God's work of art. For what reason? Yes. There's a reason. And the reason is in verse 20. Back in 2 Corinthians. You can flip your page back. There's a reason. It doesn't come without a reason that we are God's workmanship. Created for good works. 
Hallelujah. It's a reason. And the reason is in verse 20. It says it real clear. Now, then, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's did the work and he's committed to us the word of reconciliation that we all we have to do is hear his voice, speak the word. And he's going to do the work. And we're going to get to that. But here's the thing. In verse 20 it says, why then, uh, why is this? It's a reason why you are God's workmanship. You, it's a reason why you are God's work of art. And that is, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God was pleading to us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. That's the reason. Because you are God's ambassador. You are ambassador of Christ Jesus. This ain't for nothing that God is doing this. This ain't for him to subdue you in this natural world and, and make and put you in bondage. It's to set you free. Because you were in bondage and didn't realize it. This sets you free as a beautiful work of art to do the will of God with purpose. And the purpose is for us to, to glorify God, which is in heaven. And then when we come into his presence, that you can stand before him and he can say, well done. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. What did you think before that he was talking about when he was going to say, well done? That you didn't sin or did you stop sinning? Because ain't none of us stopped that. None of us. I don't care what, uh, how hard you're trying, you ain't, you ain't did it. But the blood of Christ Jesus, thank God, from his perspective, that he, he's made each and every one of us white as snow. The blood did that. It ain't what we did. But the thing about it is, is for our time that we have here, it's about us doing the will of God. And that the blood has covered our sin. And if we're doing the will of God, then what we're going to find out, the same sin that you tried, you've been struggling with and trying to get away from that you couldn't. But when you begin to do the work of God as his workmanship, you're going to find yourself far away from that sin. When you, you're going to look back and then you're going to see yourself. Man, all of this time I've been trying to do this and couldn't get away from it. But when I just started letting God do what he wants to do in my life, when I changed my perspective and been able to see what God has planned for me, then my, then man, that thing is so far away from me. And it will be glory be to God because it ain't going to be glory to you because you, you don't know that you couldn't do it. All of this stuff is for a purpose. All of it. And so as we draw to a conclusion, as we draw to a conclusion and we sum this up, this is really what this is all about. That we can be the uh, ambassadors for Christ. That God can, that we are his workmanship, that he is the master designer, that he can make us this way to do his will in there. That pleases him. Here again, we must hear his voice to know what to say. He's given us the word of reconciliation. That's what it says. He's given us the word. But in order for us to hear the word or know what to say, we got to hear the word. And Jesus, again, is that example to us. In John chapter 8, verse 26, these are the words of Jesus. He said, I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. And he's talking about him is God the Father. If Jesus knew that it took 
the voice, hearing the voice of God, then who are we? And also in that same John chapter 8, verse 28, and he says that I do nothing of myself, but as the Father has taught me, that I speak. He only speaks what he hears the Father say speak. Guys, this is so important. How did he do that? How did he do it? It's by the Spirit that he did that. It's by the Spirit. And how will we do it? It's going to be by the Spirit. As we close, turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we're going to take a look at exactly that. We're going to take a look at how Jesus did it. And how we're going to do it. John chapter 14 verse in verse 10. In the latter part of verse 10. The second half of verse 10, the, this is what it says. This is Jesus I'm saying. He says, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Yes. This is Jesus in the flesh. He says, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak to you on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the work. The words that he speak, he don't speak on his own authority. But the Father who dwells in him does the work. You see the correlation here? The thing about it is the, he's given us the word of, of, of reconciliation. This is our ministry. If we hear his voice, we're not going to speak on our own authority. We're going to speak on his authority. But guess what? The work yes. he's going to do. Yes. He's going to do. Look a little bit further. I, but the Father who dwells in me does the work at the very end. The Father who dwells in me does the work. I speak the word that I hear from him, but he does the work. So Jesus understood himself that he himself was the one that, had, that, that only could speak the word, but it was God doing the work. And, and look at verse 11. We're all familiar with this. It says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He was telling them, for what you see, you see what's happening. You see people healed, saved, and delivered. Verse 12, it says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, he's talking about you, most assuredly I say unto you, he that believes in me, he's talking about you. He says, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. This is Jesus. And let me break that down. He says why? Because I go to the Father. He says greater works that we're going to do. Well you just told me Pastor John that we ain't going to do the work. He's going to do it. You're absolutely right. Because all we got to do is speak the words that we hear. That's the same thing he did. But what's going to happen, what he's saying here is the works, the things that's going to come out of it is going to be greater works than what Jesus did. Because Why is it? Why? How is it that we're going to do greater works than what Jesus did? He's not talking about dying on the cross because ain't nothing greater than that. But what he's talking about is what the manifestation of salvation and the ministry of the kingdom of God coming on earth. That his will can be done.
done that God can be pleased because of reconciliation. He's talking about reconciliation because he, he, he's leaving. But it's going to be the reconciliation of mankind is going to be done through us as believers. Uh, one page over to the right to, uh, or two pages possibly in John 16. This is the confirmation. John 16 verse 13 and 14. John chapter 16 verses 13 and 14. This is, okay, so we just said, how, how, did, how did he do that? How did Jesus do it? He did it by the Spirit. And we just seen that. He says, the words that I speak, I don't speak on my own authority. But the Father in me, he does the work. So the next question is, how are we going to do it? The answer was the same, by the Spirit. So here it is, verse 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, because this was Jesus telling them, I'm leaving, but I will send, I'm, the Spirit is going to come. The Helper is going to come to take my place. And he says, so however, when the Spirit of truth has come to you, as I promised, he will guide you into all truths. For he will not speak on his own authority. Hallelujah. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for I will take up what is mine and declare it to you. And if you read further, he says, what mine ain't mine because the Father gave it to me. So I'm saying that really, what is the Father? That's what Jesus said. He's, he was making it clear. But if you see what's happening here is that the spirit of truth <coughs> that Jesus said that he's going to send to us to take his place and that's going to allow us to do the work. By the word of reconciliation, he says, I'm going to give you the spirit. The spirit's going to lead and guide. And, he, and he's telling them the same thing. Just like me, I didn't speak on my own authority. Jesus said, he said, the spirit ain't either. He's going to be speaking on the authority that comes from God. So if we hear the voice of God and we are led by his voice, then guess what? The works will be done. And it ain't going to be us doing the work. It's going to be God doing the work. How's God doing the work? Because he's the one up there. All he's going to do is, here again, Alonzo, John, would you stop by there? Just say the word. I got it. I'm going to do the work. The work, matter of fact, has already been done because I already appealed to this person's heart last night. I brought them to the place where they're willing to accept me. But I need a vessel that's willing to say, Jesus love you, even if you take off my because you're scared that he might tell you to say something else. But just to say the word. He got it. That's the work. That's the work that he's done. That's the work he's done. He just needs us. Who will be a vessel? Which one of us is willing to be a vessel? And in the last verse of, of chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, it says, For he made us who knew no sin to be sin for us. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. And what he, all that's saying is that he made Jesus who knew no sin to take the place for us that we might become his righteousness. So he's, again, it's talking about from his perspective. He's talking about a vessel that is fit for the master's use. See, he had a plan in all of this. And the plan was simply that he, his righteousness that he, you know, that he imputed to us 
because of the sin that he put on his son. It was for us to be a vessel that's fit for the master's use. A vessel that is fit for his use. Guys, this is big. This is huge in life as a believer. I'm talking about as a believer. I'm talking about as a believer from the very beginning. I'm talking about as a believer that wants to do the will of God. As a believer. So I implore to you, I say to you just as Paul said to Timothy in the word of God in 2 Timothy chapter 2. So I say and I charge you today be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. And know this, that the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Knowing that, knowing that, knowing that, knowing that, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. But I implore you today, my friends, be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Prepared for every good work. What kind of believer are you? What kind of believer are you?